This is James from the Gym Polycast. On this episode, I'm going to talk about redlining and the issue that hasn't quite been solved. Now, if you follow the Gym Polycast Facebook page, um, you'll notice an article that I shared um, talking about um, redlining, this exact topic. It was from ABC News. And they did a study um, and they compared the maps that were used to redline cities. Um, and compared those to how the racial distribution in those cities are, you know, with housing. And apparently the maps are completely identical. So in the areas that were on the old maps um, shown as hazardous, which means they were redlined and ineligible for any type of federal housing administration loans, um, those areas are, to this day, still heavily African-American or minority-majority. Um, this shows that the segregation designed by redlining still shows up today. Now, this is important because in these areas, um, there's all sorts of problems that ultimately lead to the school-to-prison pipeline and tons of other racial inequalities. The lasting effects of redlining, coupled with Jim Crow, have set the African-American race back significantly. And because of this, you find that, um, you know, schools within those neighborhoods they don't have as much funding, and the children end up, you know, they get more, they get disciplined more often. Um, the schools have metal detectors and all these other things in there. So, you know, these, these kids that grow up in these neighborhoods are treated like criminals. And so that mindset, you know, continues with them into adulthood and is a part of what's called the school to prison pipeline where the schools pretty much just funnel kids to turn into adults into the prison system because the schools failed them. Um, and that's a design. It's designed by redlining. Now, the reason why I bring this up is I've seen in the news numerous times, especially on Fox News, and I've actually heard a number of conservative individuals say that you know, racism is over. Dr. Martin Luther King with the Fair Housing Act and the Voting Rights Act uh, ended racism in this country, and this country is no longer racist. Uh, that's not even true in the slightest. So, for starters, the Voting Rights Act was gutted, I believe, in 2013, and you see the effects of that now with uh, very strict voter uh, restriction laws and gerrymandering. And then you go into the Fair Housing Act, sure, it ended gerrymandering, or not gerrymandering, but it ended redlining, um, but, but it didn't do anything to heal the damage from redlining. And that's, you know, you go to the Jim Polycast Facebook page, you see the ABC News article, you'll see it's very, very, very clear that those maps from um, the times of the redlining to the, the maps today are the same. Um, 
and and it's it's sad and it shows that racism in this country you know institutionalized racism in this country is not over it's transformed and in fact it's transformed into a, a way that is it, it's more difficult to get rid of because it's harder to point out it's harder to point to the uh, the current housing racism and segregation um, because there's not obvious government policy forcing it. It's um, private entities. It's just kind of the lasting effects of government policy. So it's hard to point out and to fix. But when you look at the maps being way off and being wrong and segregated, um, then you couple that with other studies that have shown um, African-American homes are on average worth less than white homes when um, you know all the variables are accounted for. You know, you show that you know racism isn't done. You know, and I'll actually go right after um, the the Fair Housing Act and the Voting Rights Act. Um, there was a very controversial practice called uh, blockbusting in which um, African-American women and children were, were paid to walk up and down neighborhoods, you know, white neighborhood streets, and convince the white homeowners that uh, minorities were moving into the neighborhoods. This would then cause these white homeowners to panic and sell their homes and move. Um, Blockbusting was very, very typical not just in home ownership, but also in home rentals. Um, it was a it was a pretty nasty um, practice that preyed upon, um, you know, institutionalized racist thoughts of white homeowners. Now there goes the neighborhood. We got minorities in the neighborhood now. Um, there goes our home value. All this other stuff. So we got to get out while the getting's good. Um, you know, that all should illustrate that, you know, yeah, Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. did a lot. There's still a whole fight left, and it's a big one. You know, picking up um, where the Fair Housing Act kind of left off and finishing that, actually fixing the damage, encouraging home ownership amongst the poor, including minorities, and focusing on the, quote, hazard areas and giving those areas um, a new chance at home ownership, allowing them to get, you know, even better FHA loans. You know, you get first-time homeowner, homeowner's loans, you can put down 3.5% down payment. Let's say you get a hazardous uh, hazardous area first-time homeowners loan where you lived in what was deemed a redlined hazardous area and you're now trying for home ownership you get a certain loan that allows a lower down payment and ultimately a lower interest rate getting you into home ownership faster that is something that can be done to fix the damage from redlining and until stuff like that is done, then, you know, there's there's still a lot of fight to, to happen. 
Um, and um, I'm hopeful for it, but it starts with education and making sure everybody is aware of what's happening, making sure that everybody knows that things have not changed. And once more and more people become aware of this, the fight for racial equity in this country will be much easier. Anyways, that's all I have for the Jim Polycast. Thank you for listening. Be sure to like the Jim Polycast on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Have a good night.